All right. Get started. Thanks, everybody, for coming. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. Right, you. Yay. This is Mouthful and I'm Yvonne Laddie. Every week, I'll be having a complicated conversation with a young person about the things that matter to them things they have written about and shared on stages across the city. And then we will go out into the community and talk to teens, adults, experts, anyone who can broaden the conversation. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for coming to our first ever live show of Mouthful. That's how we start the show every time, so here we are. Um, I'm Mitchell. I'm a producer on the podcast, and uh, normally in the, most episodes, uh, you, you'll hear me ask a question by the time we get to the interviews. Um, but since we're all here sharing this room together, it made more sense for me to introduce myself now. So thank you again so much for coming. Um, this is really exciting. I think we have a really awesome conversation coming up, um, and we really appreciate you being here. Yeah, we're really excited and so pumped to be at the kitchen table in Kensington. It's the fifth annual podcast festival, and we're super honored to be here. So we have a really amazing conversation lined up for you tonight about an important issue here in Philadelphia and nationally, income and housing instability. It sadly is what drives so many of our families into homelessness. So like imagine you come home from a long day at work and you see a notice on your door, eviction. You're getting kicked out of your house and there's little you can do about it. For one in seven renters in Philadelphia, that scenario isn't imaginary, it's reality. Coming home to an eviction notice is how Brandon Hall chose to start his monologue, Orange Paper which he wrote in 2012 when he was a junior at Science Leadership Academy. Let's listen to Orange Paper, performed by Yannick Haynes. The orange paper stapled on my door shocked me. I looked at the orange paper and read it five times. Then to make sure, I read it five more times. We were getting evicted and there was nothing to do about it. I live with my mom, my brother, and sister. We have very little money since I only work part-time because of school and my mom is too lazy to work. She says she'll look for a job soon or the job market is hard, but I know the reason. And she knows the reason. My brother and sister know the reason. And my neighbors know the reason. She's given up. She doesn't care if she lives or dies. She doesn't care if her kids starve to death. My mom has lost her mind. It's been like this since my dad died, but that doesn't matter because that was then and this is now. We were being evicted and there was nothing to do about it. Felix, Felix, my sister yells. She doesn't need to know any of this, so I rip the paper off quickly and I stuff it in my pocket. I need to keep what's going on with this house to myself. My little sister has her hair braided with colorful barrettes clipped under them. They're not perfect since I did them myself, but she doesn't seem to care. She's only eight, so I don't want her getting sucked into the world that I'm in. The world where all you think about is where your next meal is gonna come from, or if you have to give it to one of your siblings. I wish my mom had done that for me. No, 
I was basically born in this world that few people know about. I go to work for four hours, then bring home dinner. Four double cheeseburgers and four fries. My mom doesn't eat. She just stares at the ceiling. Or her wedding photo? How can she be so docile? She must have seen the notice. So why isn't she freaking out like I am? Why isn't she showing any emotion? Why is she just staring at her wedding photo? I start getting angry, so I walk out the door with my fries. The salt somehow soothes me and keeps me from making any crazy decisions. It also reminds me of my dad when I eat fries since it was him that got me hooked. It reminds me of a time where I didn't have to worry about food and my dad took care of everything. I remember when me and my parents were all happy. But that was then and this is now. I walk back in and I take a big breath. My brother is in his room and my sister is in the living room playing with her dolls. I hear a glass break. I look over at my sister and I see my parents' wedding photo on the floor. My mom finally does something. She yells at my sister. My anger reappears and I'm out of fries. Nothing is controlling my anger and her yelling was getting louder. How dare she yell at my sister? She hasn't taken care of my sister in years and now she thinks she can yell at my sister? My fists are clenching and I feel like I'm gonna throw up. I step in between my mom and my sister and I tell my sister to go in the room but she is still in shock from the yelling. My mom is yelling at me now asking who am I to tell my sister what to do. She, uh, my mom is now talking to me, but this is more physical. She's pushing and slapping and calling me all kinds of names until I snap. I push her on the couch and I tell her to stop. I tell her that I'm the one taking care of this family. Did you even notice that we were being evicted? We could be on the streets in days and it's all your fault. Do you even care about us? I know the answer. I know what she's going to say next, but instead of words, she hits me. Maybe it was all the stress from the eviction, or maybe it was a built-up anger. But before I knew it, I hit her back. She's shocked. And I'm shocked. But I'm surprised by what she does next. She leaves. She gets up and leaves. As the door slams, I turn around to see my brother and sister looking at me in fear. Why? I'm the one who's been taking care of them, me, not my mother. Now that she has left, nothing has changed. I am still the one who has to wake up at 5.30 and iron my sibling clothes. I am still the one who has to go to work for hours after school. I am still the one who has to pay the bills. As I look at their faces, I realize they've just been brought in the world that I have lived in for years. The world of fear. stage by Selena Ortiz. She is amazing and strong and beautiful and powerful. And she came our way through Youth Emergency Services, a nonprofit that has provided shelter and support services to children, 
youth and families for over 65 years. So thank you so much for joining us, Selena. Thank you for letting me be here today. So what do you think of the monologue? It was definitely moving and emotional, especially since I've been through certain circumstances such as. It was really tough. I, I was trying not to cry the whole time, <laughs> to be honest with you. So tell us a little bit about, um, about your journey. Well, my journey, it's, it's really been long. I was born into a mixed race family, uh, so that was already a problem. Uh, from there, my parents were young when they had me and my sister, so they were naive when it came to how to raise kids. My parents had hand problems, and they had their own problems. We've been evicted before, and we've been hungry before and starved before and beaten before. And beating is actually how I got into the system. So... When you say they had a hand problem, can you explain what that means? A hand problem meaning when they're upset or, yeah, when they're upset or frustrated, that's how they handle their anger, by using their hands or, or using very mean words. They don't know that it's abuse at the moment. All they know is that they're angry, and that's how they're relieving their stress or anger. How did you f find your way to the youth emergency services? I can no longer stay with my mom. I can no longer put up with the verbal abuse. Abuse isn't only physical, but it can be emotional also. I got sick of being called a nigger. I got sick of being called a bitch. And I got sick of everyone thinking that they could put their hands on me. So. And so what is, what is life for you like now? Now life is day-to-day kind of surreal, but not the good kind that makes you feel like a bird, more like the kind that makes you feel like you're in a scary movie. Everything black and white. Now every, I see everyone every day, and we're all kind of have that same mellow, angry attitude. Even when we're not mad, we're just still upset. Because even though we all know we've been through things, we all know that there's nothing we can do about it also. What about you? What about school? School, I recently graduated from Multicultural Academy Charter School. And I am currently enrolled at a Community College of Philadelphia. My majors are interior design and architecture. And my second year there, I will be picking up Arabic. That's awesome. Thank you. So when you were put into um, the system, did that complicate going to school? Did you have to switch schools? Um, did it, I mean, like, how did yes. that affect your everyday, like as, how old were you? I was 17. I was still enrolled at Multicultural Academy Charter School but it was way farther, like my foster home was way farther from my school than my actual home was. And I missed a week of school because I was trying to transfer into a home school, but my foster mom, when my foster mom realized it was a home school, she was like, I don't wanna do this. 
So then she tried to transfer me to West. That didn't work. And so then I just stayed at going to Multicultural Academy Charter School. And I just had to wake up every day at 4. I got home every day around 8-ish and didn't go to sleep till like 11. Because at that school, they give you a lot of homework. So what happens now that you're 18? Now that I'm 18, my goal is to find a job, but it's really, really hard because I don't have any of my records. I just got my social security card a couple days ago, so congratulations to that. But other than that, I don't have my birth certificate, so I can't even open up a bank account. And since I've been in Yes, my money has been stolen from me three times. First, it was $40, then it was $60, and then it was $25. So it's definitely a need to get a bank account, but no one is helping me with my birth certificate. And finding a job is even harder. Will they let you stay at the shelter being 18? Yes, but it's only a 30-day shelter. So... After 30 days, you have to either renew your contract or be on your way. And after, yes, I don't know where I'm going. Currently, I was only supposed to be there for a week, but it's been four. So I definitely don't know where I'm going now. They say they're looking for a foster family for me, but I'm 18. How many parents want their 18-year-old kids? <laughs> And so that's how I'm thinking about it. So I know that I'm end up going to a group home. The only challenge is now, how am I going to be at a group home with a bigger dysfunctional family and still go to school? What is the most challenging part of being in the system? And I mean, you've spoken to a lot of the sort of nitty gritty of, of not having your papers and, and the sort of like wall that that places for you to be able to just pursue the things that you want to pursue but I wonder if the, you know is that the most difficult thing that's really like you're up against in the present moment the most difficult thing that I'm up against at the moment is temptation temptation to give up temptation to not keep moving forward because I've kept moving forward all my life ever since I was a little girl I kept moving forward and every time I feel like I'm taking three steps forward I feel like I'm also taking five steps back. So, and right now, that's definitely the biggest challenge. I mean, I still need to get those records. And my workers, they're not helping me. They don't want me to get independent living. I've never had a drug problem. I've never had an alcohol problem. I've never had a hand problem or a problem in school. I am like a total geek who's always stuck to the, to the books, yet, I can't get my independent living because other 18-year-olds strayed from that. Other 18-year-olds wanted to bring their boyfriends over and have them sleep over the night or wanted to pop up with like seven more kids. That's not me, though. That's not my prerogative. And for them to judge me off of others is definitely unfair. And it's just rude in a way because... Haven't I worked hard enough for it? 
to be able to say, oh, I have my own place to live. Now I can go to school, I can come home, I can make my food. I don't have to worry about cooking for five people anymore. I don't have to worry about raising two kids that I did not birth from my own boom. So, temptation to give up is definitely my, what I'm fighting now, because every day, the, there's people around me who do drugs, who smoke, who have a way of releasing their anger and stress. But I'm stressing. And all I do is cry. All I do is say, Selena, you got this. You got to keep moving forward. You got to keep strong. But sometimes that doesn't feel like enough. So is that, is that what has helped you get to the point you are now? Because, I mean, this is audio, so people can't see you unless they're here in our audience. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're so, you're just, you're so articulate and smart and thoughtful, and it's really easy to connect to you. Um, I mean, that says a lot about you as a person, that you've been able to get yourself to this point that you haven't given up. Thank so you. what would you say to younger kids that are finding themselves on, on this road? Most definitely I would tell them to keep pushing, even though it's hard, even though you will cry, it's okay to cry. Do not let peer pressure pull you down because as easy as those people say that they're your friends now, is as easy as they can also be your haters later. So I would advise to remember that by the end of the day, the only person who has your back is you. You know what you want. You know what you, your goals are. Make goals. Achieve those goals. Also make wise goals. Goals aren't supposed to be something that's all the way at the stars. No, you have to go up those stairs first. Like It's definitely a of like road, but you just gotta keep going on it. Well, we're also really lucky and honored to have with us Dr. Nakia Owens. And Dr. Owens is the Director of Income and Financial Stability Community Impact at the United Way of Greater Philadelphia and Southern New Jersey. Thank you, Dr. Owens, for joining me and Mitchell here today. We really, really appreciate it. So Absolutely, thanks for having me. What were your thoughts when you heard the monologue? Um, it really, actually, for me, it hits close to home um, because I can completely understand your position. I grew up in foster care. I'm one of five um, to come through that journey and that path and that road. Um, so I completely understand because all my brothers and sisters have been homeless. <laughs> um, and one of them is currently kind of overcoming a homeless situation as we speak now. Um, so, um, you know, it's, it is a real reality um, for young people uh, in terms of um, some of the adversity that they face. Uh, I know for me growing up in, you know, foster care and coming through that particular system, um, it is very difficult and I can relate to what Selena is saying is that there is something in you that gets down a little bit but you still have to learn how to pick yourself up. Um, you still have to tell yourself because the one thing that 
um, you constantly hear is what are you going to do? Where are you going to go? I know that's you know what I heard coming through the system. Um, at 16, you, you have to be out by 18. What are you going to do? Um, and I, in my mind, I was like, I'm going to get as far away from here as possible. So I moved 3,000 miles away from California. Um, and so you just have to really work hard. But I know that my role at United Way, from my experience and my journey and the path that, you know, um, that my life has taken, that I find and I use every opportunity that I have to make a difference in someone's life that is, you know, faced with some of these obstacles, which is um, financial stability, which then, in, you know, impacts their housing stability as well as them being able to meet their basic needs. Um, and so, you know, I've been fortunate to be able to have careers in a lot of different areas from um, in-home counseling for families, um, you know, impacted by addiction to being an addictions counselor, to being over family violence department, running shelters, transitional housing. I've, under, I've overseen HUD housing programs. Now I have an opportunity to impact um, the financial stability of um, a lot of Philadelphians um, in, in, our, in our region, as well as um, the workforce, making sure that they get jobs. I think one of the things that Selena mentioned is you know, being able to secure employment. Um, and so, you know, we, you know, in my role, I'm fortunate enough to really, you know, invest really generous donors' resources to help individuals like her to secure employment, to get, you know, money to go to college. We offer a three-to-one match on education. So when you save a thousand dollars, we match three thousand. We help on the home ownership. So you save two thousand, we help four thousand. Last um, this past um, season. Um, I implemented a tax program across our region because those dollars or those earned income tax um, credits are really important getting those resources so people don't get evicted. Um, we served 33,000 individuals this past um, year, bringing them back 46 million into their homes, which keeps a lot of people from being evicted um, and going under. Because the real reality is, is that particularly in our region, in the Philadelphia region, um, you know, it's a you know, we know there's about 1.6 million individuals, but there's 400,000 individuals living below the poverty line. You know, in the we are the number one city in, you know, Philadelphia is the number one city um, of the top 10 largest cities with the highest deep poverty rate. What does that mean? That means that those individuals are living on $2 a day or less, right? So, you know, Another, you know, thing that has to do with that is mass incarceration. A lot of times, you know, families are impacted when the, generally, if it's the boyfriend or the husband goes off to um, jail or prison, the mother's left to contend and take care of the child and often faces a lot of housing um, instability um, issues in our region. Um, we have about 36,000 um, individuals coming into our region a year that are previously, in, you know, that were previously incarcerated returning citizens, we need to really work, and what I'm working on now is working um, to make sure those individuals um, get jobs so that they can help their families and they can be a resource um, for those their families. So even though there may be young people like 
Selena that, um, you know, that don't live at home, they can still financially, if we help them feel, still financially contribute to their well, children's why is lives. It, why is it such a big problem in Philly? Why, why is there such a high rate of eviction? Why is there, like, why is this city in, I don't even, I don't want to start cursing, <laughs> but why? I mean, why are we in this place? Why is this happening? Well, one, the housing stock is very low. Um, you have to, we have about 1.6 million individuals, but we have about 600,000 um, units and about 400,000 units approximately are not livable, right? So that creates a problem right there um, in terms of, and you know, we, we haven't even gotten to those who are not homeless that are doubled up, tripled up, quadrupled up um, in the same living facility. So, um, you know, a lot of times it is housing stock, but it is underemployment. Like we talk about in unemployment and we're like, oh, we're down to 5.2% in unemployment, but the underemployment is about 12 plus percent. What does that mean? That means that you have individuals, and I know during tax season time, because I get advanced certification so I can get out there and see what's going on and, you know, kind of get a glimpse of it. But you have individuals working three jobs. They bring in three W-2s that only add up to $10,000 a year. They are underemployed. They don't get the hours. And they're not, a, they're not able to pay for the housing um, that they're living in. And one thing you have to remember is that on average, rent, rent rates go up 20% every year, 20% every year. And so one of the things that we try to work with individuals on and fund, we have a very generous donor over at United Way that really contributes pretty significantly to this. We, when we offer a match for home purchasing, um, you know, we've also teamed up with Habitat for Humanity. No, but I hate to mm -hmm. interrupt, and I think that sure. that's all really great. But, I mean, there's kids, a lot of kids in the right. situation that Selena's in. And what is being done? I mean, how, how could she be in? And, she, you know, she's not alone. I mean, there's tons of kids in this shelter in the exact same position she's in. What can be done to, like, help them? I know that, you know, when we met with the housing director, there is a huge push to really address um, youth and the homelessness that's going on among youth, particularly youth, particularly youth that are um, exiting out of foster, the foster care system. So, you know, to really respond to the needs of young people, um, I think that, you know, the Office of Supportive Housing, we have to also continue to hold them accountable for addressing, you know, young people's issues, because that obviously is still an issue in our city, um, is addressing the housing crisis for young people. So, but I do know that it's part of, you know, the mayor's agenda to really address um, the, you know, uh, youth homelessness in the city. Um, so they're, they're trying to come up, as you mentioned, with more independent living facilities, more affordable housing, and those kinds of things. And so, um, we'd really like an opportunity for um, to really talk to also Selena and try to you know link her up with resources um, because like as she mentioned it's not right and it's not fair and there's and individuals like her should not have to go off to group home a group home setting is is very is at a very different stage than what she's at right now and we need to be answering the call for young people so one of the right. things I, I really love about mouthful is how it takes these monologues written by kids who are working with Philadelphia Young Playwrights and, you know, 
gives these, gives these kids the opportunity to really express themselves. And like, I'm worried about the kid who wrote this, you know? Like, it, it's one thing to be 30 years old and be homeless, and maybe you have a drug problem, or maybe, you know, you made some mistakes in your life. But, I mean, that, in the monologue, it's a kid who's taking care of his siblings by working in a fast food restaurant and feeding his siblings hamburgers and french fries while the mother clearly has mental issues and then disappears and is abusive. And that's 2012 and it's 2017 and things haven't changed. Right, and, and, and they haven't. And you know, really and honestly, it's just been within the last, I will just say, it's just been within the last year, it was 2016, um, when they've come to the table and they actually saw how, when they did the point in time count, and they saw how many young people were actually living on the streets here in Philadelphia, that they then realized what an epidemic it was and a problem it was and started trying to address these challenges. Certainly, to, you know, to what you said, we are nowhere, absolutely nowhere, and I say this at United Way all the time, we are nowhere where we need to be in terms of addressing the housing needs of young people, and we are nowhere where we need to be in terms of addressing employment with young people, because there is no reason that somebody like Selena should not be able to find employment in the summer, whether it's through the summer youth employment program, where millions of dollars are funneled through that way, you should be able to at least get a job so you can keep money in your pocket, you can get your social security card, you can get your birth certificate. There are resources and services out there that the city and that we are paying for. We're paying for this. And so if you're not getting what you need and the resources that you need, then you need to call your local um, representative and legislature and let them know that this is a need and that you're not, you know, and that it's not being handled. Because let me tell you something, we are putting, and, and we are all taxpayers, we are putting millions and millions of dollars and there should never be a situation like yours when we are paying these organizations and agencies to answer your um, issues and challenges that you're facing. I understand that there should never be these cases, but there are these cases, and it's not like it's one. It's not just me. It's a lot of people right. who are just like me, who are, are way different from me. Like, I know 12-year-old girls who are homeless, who are prostituting just to make a living. They have nowhere to go. I know eight-year-old boys who are homeless, who sell drugs just to keep their family going. Their moms are sick. They need that money to pay for their mom's prescription because their mom has strep throat of, of some sort. Like, even though there shouldn't be these cases, there are. Like, group homes and shelters and stuff like that, we get sent to them by our workers and stuff, and, and such as. But do they actually ever visit us there? No. Do they know what those facilities really look like? No. Do they know what they feed us there? No. Do they know if our beds are clean? No. When's the last time the beds have been checked for bed bugs? Oh, we don't know. That's what really sets the fire up. Like, there shouldn't be these things, but there are these things. And, it, and it's not new. This problem has been here for a while now. Like. Everyone keeps on saying, we're trying to do this, we're trying to do that. We've been trying to do all these things. And Yoda said, there's no such thing as try. There's do and don't do. And it seems like we haven't been doing anything. 
because nothing has been being done. It's not just African Americans. It's not just Latinos. I've seen Asian people in there too, and white people. It's not just all minorities. There are some majorities. Come on. We all have our scars and we all have our battles. And the kids go through it the worst because of mistakes adults make. And not to come at you, adults, but come on. Right. And, you know, and I understand. I, I lived in a foster care, foster home as someone's slave for seven years. Before Are you a foster they, mother? And, pardon? Are you a foster mother? No. I, but I have my daughter here, right here. <laughs> no, I'm not, a I'm not a foster mother, but I pay, um, you know, I make my contribution in a lot of ways that I'm not able to do that currently right now. But at the same time, you know, I've traveled through that road, you know, I, I mean, like and I, I think said, it's so, great. I think it's yeah. great that you're giving back. And I think it's great the kind of work you do considering where you came from. I really do think that that's amazing and special. And I applaud you for not running away, but for going back in there and trying to fix a system that is really troubled. It is. It's a really, it's, it's a really mini beheaded behemoth that's yet to be tamed by one single mm -hmm. service. And I, you know, I feel the pain, you know, like I said, I'm one of five, you know, and I, I understand when Selena says they don't come out to visit you. They don't know, you know, cause I've experienced that. And I'll tell you, I'm the last person that wanted to go to school and get an MSW, a master's in social work. I used to say, I can't stand social workers. They're incompetent, they're this, they're that. But mm -hmm. it, I felt it was a calling for me to address and, and you know, for it to address you know, some of the issues and you know, the research and things like that and to be able to speak on those kinds of things. But at the same time, we have to continue to move forward and try to make a difference. And we're and the same thing in the charges with you as well. When you get to a certain point, you have to be able to reach back and try to push. Because if nobody, if nobody speaks up, my sister prostituted herself. So if nobody speaks up, and, and it, from that system and lets them know, hey, these are the things, or it steps into that system to lead that system, someone like yourself, then things will not change because most of the people that work in their system have never spent one single day in foster care. Exactly. Like everyone wants to talk about how they want to give back to the community, they want to help. Everyone wants to shed a tear when they see a homeless kid crying for at least a cracker. But I don't see that many foster parents. And the foster parents that I do see, all they want are little kids. Because teenagers, we're just too much to deal when it comes to that. They're just assuming everyone's living up to this, the stereotype of teenagers from when they were a teenager are their friend's teenage daughter. Like, everyone is different. I feel like everyone should be giving a chance. Just like you were talking about the people who were incarcerated and come out of jail and need a job. They deserve that second chance to get that job. We as children, we weren't given a chance at all because where, where are we? Like, okay, everyone wants those kids to adopt, right? But those kids won't be kids forever. They will become teenagers. What makes them becoming teenagers and us being teenagers any different? Any different. I've always been respectful for adults. But where's my mom? I don't have one. Where's my dad? In Connecticut, struggling just as much as I am. Like, this is 
a problem. And it's not just one problem, it's many, many problems. We, we cry to our workers, we snap at our workers, we, we ask for new workers, but workers are under someone called a supervisor. And what the supervisor says, the supervisor goes. So if the supervisor is saying, you won't get what you want, then the worker can't do anything about that. And half of us never talk to the supervisor. Half of us don't know the supervisor. So half the time we're mad at the worker when the supervisor is the evil witch. That's all I'm saying. Because wow. I've met my supervisor. And huh, she's as geeky as they come. I, I think that to jump on what Yvonne said, and you know, here we are. One thing that I love about Mouthful is that I feel like, and what I hear from both of you, is that it's, you know, when, when, the, when the people are invisible or they aren't given a platform to share their story or to like put a face to a story and, you know, to make, to make it personal, it, like anything, it's so easy to overlook and be like, oh, it's a problem, blah, 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 for those who aren't in the problem. Um, and, and so I, I thank both of you for coming and sharing your personal stories because I feel like otherwise it doesn't, it doesn't resonate. And that's, that's really, uh, I don't know, I, I feel like with all of the, there's so much systemic so many systemic issues that like can't be solved by one thing or you know like a, a generous donor is, is one piece of a puzzle and I wonder if um, Dr. Owens maybe you can tell us about you know if someone wants to get involved in foster care where do they go where do you start you know what I mean like what are the organizations doing really good work who 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 does someone who might be listening go to to say like you know I do want to change this or, or do my part you know like what 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 does that first step look like for someone who might hear this and say okay Enough is enough. I can I have a room in my house or whatever. Right. So one of the things that um, we have that is a resource that can you know kind of point you in the direction where people can help you. We have just a call in line which is two one one. So we are working really to improve that because about fifty percent of the calls that come in are for housing assistance. Um, so we're really working on tackling that issue. So. I would encourage um, individuals who um, want, if they, you know, just starting out, if you want to be get connected to resources, um, to dial into two one one. That's all two one one, and they'll be able to link you up with resources. And we also follow up to make sure that you were actually connected. So um, that's something that we've been really working on that, you know, so I would just recommend that. But I know there are a lot of organizations out there, um, just to name a few, of course, you know, Project Home is on the forefront of really addressing um, some of the homeless um, issues. I know in our city, um, People's Emergency Center um, is, um, is, um, is also on the for forefront of really putting out an information literature and trying to you know, move the agenda in addressing youth homelessness in the city. I know that um, since um, Liz Hirsch has taken it over, they've really made it, the Office of Supportive Housing um, is really um, you know, trying to make it um, really their priority in addressing youth homelessness. Um, so there are obviously a lot of, um, there's another, um, a hundred, there's a uh, new campaign going on um, that's a hundred, uh, I'm gonna not probably get this right, but it's a hundred youth um, where they're actually trying to address the needs. They have a campaign to really address the needs of youth in our area. But if you want more information, of course, we have, we, you know, um, there's a, you know, we make a big investment with 2 on 1. So 
If you need to be connected, please call 201. All of our agencies and resources are in that database to connect you. We will follow up with you, and if you don't get what we need, you need, we will make sure that you get what you need. So please make sure you use that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. And um, I always end each episode of Mouthful with, and that's our show. So yay. So this, this is the end of fabulous season one of Mouthful. And I would like to introduce to you our fearless leader, Philadelphia Young Playwrights Executive Director, Lisa Nelson Haynes. I met Lisa about 15 years ago when our now about to go to college daughters were best friends in preschool. And I'm telling you, mommy bonds are strong. Lisa has been a champion for the arts in all the years I have known her. And so it's only fitting that she closes out this first season of Mouthful. Thank you, Yvonne. Thank you, Mitchell. Thank you, everyone who showed up today. Um, today is a very special day, not just because of Mouthful Live, but we have decided wholeheartedly that our girl Selena is now part of the PYP family. So I want to thank you so much, Selena, for, for coming and sharing your truth with us just on the strength of us asking you to. We just asked you, and you bought it. And we are so appreciative. And Dr. Nakia Owens, I want to thank you also, because it just took me to just asking you one time, and you jumped right on, and you've been very supportive. And I want to thank you also. Mouthful has truly been a tremendous experience for us here at Philadelphia Young Playwrights. It was almost, I guess, a year or so ago that we first met with Yvonne Laddie, who gave me a phone call and said, listen, I have an idea. I want to do a podcast. What do you say? And I was like, we're on board. Let's do it. And it has been such a tremendous journey. I want to thank Yvonne for her vision, for the hard work that she put in, working and collaborating with Mitchell and I to make this such a wonderful experience. And we have been so excited to be a part of Philly's fifth annual podcast festival. This festival would not exist without the kind and generous support of the Philadelphia Podcasting Society, Steel Empire, Fireball Printing, Pyroglyphic Studio, The Kitchen Table Gallery, Philly Banner Express, Tea House Inc., Click Save Photography and Design. And I would like to ask everyone to be sure to look for podcast second season that will be starting very soon. Thank you so much. Take care.